1: I started to see that you know, I was different, but I knew that there were other people out there that were different too, and I knew that I wasn't the only one. So I saw no one was being a voice for those people. No one was out there. No one was talking to kids like me, saying, hey, this is who you are, and mm-hmm. that's okay. And I realized that no one else was doing it, so maybe it was my job to do it.
0: Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and Real
2: Faith with Eric Scatterbone. Once again, our guest is Chloe Hayden. She is a young woman with Asperger's syndrome, a term that she likes to shorten to simply Aspie. And this explains the name of her website, Princess Aspion. As we heard last time, Chloe is a guest speaker at many schools and events across Australia as an advocate for young people diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When we ended last time, she was in her young teens and having struggles, trying to fit in in school, just knew something was wrong. Also, we heard from her mother, Sarah, who joins us on the phone from her office. In Geelong, she is a social worker who specializes in autism spectrum disorder. And as a parent, Sarah didn't really know what was going on; was very confused. And Chloe, boy, you were just very, very sad. You were mm-hmm. contemplating life. You know, what was it all about? You didn't know whether you wanted to have ever been born. Is that what you said? Uh
1: huh. Yes. Yeah. So. I think it was probably when I was 12, 13, the start of year seven is when it really started getting bad. I mean, I've known my entire life that I was different. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know there was a name for it. I just knew I was different and yeah. I knew that other kids didn't like different. Um, kids want people that fit in. Kids want people that are like them. And I wasn't like that. And, you know, when you have no friends, no, uh, nothing to call your own, that's, you, you know, it, I think anyone would kind of, you know, get into that same situation as, mm-hmm. you know, what's the point? Why am I here? Why, you know, what sort of world is this? And. I went through a lot of bullying and that was kind of, I guess, the main thing that that really ticked it over. And like mum said, I went to three different schools. Um, one of them was a private school. One of them was a public school. One of them was an agricultural farm school. So you could not get much further different than the three of them. Yeah. Um, and that same problem persisted at every single one of those schools. I was so severely bullied to the point where I would make myself throw up in the mornings just so I had an excuse to stay home. Or if that didn't work, then I would hide in the bathrooms from literally nine o'clock in the morning till three thirty in the afternoon and I wouldn't show up to any of the classes because I was so scared of not just the students but also the teachers. Um, they were both the teachers. That, yeah, too. the teachers. Oh at in some points the teachers were worse than the students. I guess because for other people your own age, you can kind of get into the mentality that like, oh well they're also kids, they don't really know what they're talking about. But as a kid, especially as a kid that's struggling, the adults are the people that you look up to. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the adults are the ones that especially teachers when you haven't got your mum and dad there the teachers are the ones that are meant to look after you and protect you yeah. and at a lot of times the teachers would be the ones that would be the ones calling me names or would be the ones that, is that were, right? Mm-hmm, or they would be they would leave me out or if i didn't understand something they would be it doesn't matter you know we have 20 other students here one student doesn't matter mm. um which is a mentality that a lot of people have which mm. is kind of sucky it's not yeah. meant to happen
2: yeah and sarah as a parent uh you must have been very very frustrated Also, Chloe had health problems as well. Is that right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was around about sort of year seven when I guess everything just fell to pieces and um, at first we thought it was the school we'd chosen. So, we pulled her out, tried it with another school. Mm-hmm. A couple of months later, the same thing happened there. So, we thought, mm, must be the school again, pulled her out again. Third time, same thing happened no matter where she went. So, it was around that time that, yeah, things just went from bad to worse. Chloe's mental health was rapidly declining. She'd gone from, you know, a quirky, happy little kid who really, as I said earlier, didn't care about whether you were engaged in her and sharing her facts and whether she brushed her hair or whether she fit in with the crowd and all of a sudden in year seven you know there's such pressure especially for girls to fit in with the it crowd yeah. and and know the latest bands and wear the latest you know fashion and Chloe just wasn't interested in any of that and it was becoming more and more obvious that she was vastly different to these other girls and unlike when she was little and she didn't really care about not fitting in all of a sudden she desperately wanted to fit in but just had absolutely no idea how to do that and I think. You know, her life really at school was becoming a living hell. Every single day, she was bullied about her looks, about her interests, about her lack of um, a lack of social skills. And it just didn't seem to matter where we put her into school. Things just got worse and worse. She started starving herself. So she was on the on the path to anorexia. She was, you know, permanently depressed. Her mental health was really bad. She wasn't getting mm-hmm. enjoyment from the things that she used to get enjoyment from. And she was starting to identify, you know, constantly that she was different, that she was, you know, she referred to herself as an alien and a weirdo and started regurgitating some of the things that the kids at school were saying to her. And this was becoming, you know, constant. It was, it was a real concern for myself and my husband that, you know, here was this beautiful girl of ours that we could see all these amazing qualities. And, yeah. you know, we knew that she was a child of God and that she was created in his image and that she was exactly how she was meant to be. But she couldn't see that. And obviously none of the people around her were able to see it either. And I guess it's probably a good time to, um, yeah, to put in that that was about that time that I actually got a teacher from the third school that we went to who said to me one day um, I was down at the school dealing with yet another bullying incident that she was victim of and you know this teacher pulled me aside and said come and have a look in lost property and you'll notice that every single thing in lost property belongs to your daughter and come and have a look at the quality of her work and desk compared to all of the other kids you know she was messy she was chaotic she was disorganized she would come home without her school shoes do not ask me how that happens that you can get a child come home without their school (laughs) shoes but even things like her school shoes would be in lost property and i i sort of looked at this man you know a little bit confused and i said you know, I understand that she's having problems. And he said, no, do you not think that there might be something more going on? And I said, you know, I was quite offended and sort of thought that he was insinuating that I wasn't a good parent, which I thought that I was an exceptional parent. And so I was, you know, I was a little bit confused. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. And he actually said to me, you know, I think there's something more going on. I think my suggestion, if it was my child, would be to take her to a educational or developmental psychologist and get her assessed. And I said to him, get her assessed for what? And he just said, oh, just, you know, I think just go along and just find out what they think. And, of course, I found out later that he had picked up that she had Asperger's or autism immediately. Oh, okay. He, he He told me later that he had a girl in a class the year before who was identical to Chloe and he'd picked it up immediately and was gobsmacked to have a look at her file and see that she had no diagnosis and so I, I have since found out that teachers aren't supposed to you know tell parents this kind of stuff but he obviously felt you know, felt that it was important. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very thankful that he did because yeah. while it shocked and upset me, I sort of went home to my husband that night and I said, this teacher said that we should get her to a psychologist, which I was quite willing to do because at that stage she was starting to not eat and she was, you know, obviously very miserable. So I was thinking, well, obviously something's going on. We need to get her, you know, to see a mental health professional just to even deal with that. So, you know, that's where our journey to getting an autism diagnosis started.
2: Okay, Chloe, what happened? You went in... You talked to somebody. Had some tests.
1: Mm-hmm. So, the test itself, I don't remember exactly what the test was, but I just know that it went for a long time, and there was a lot of different like IQ tests and like memory tests and puzzles, and like she would ask me questions or make me like act out scenarios and stuff. And at this stage, like I didn't go in going, oh, I'm going in for an autism diagnosis because I'd never heard that word before. Yeah. Um, I just went in, did the things that the lady said, and we walked back out, and mum was carrying this really thick book, and it had the word Asperger's across the front of it. And I didn't know what that was, and I thought it said asparagus, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I, I didn't know what it was, but we got into the. Car. I have
2: asparagus. Literally, I went in, I was like, "Well, I don't know
1: what's going on, but my mum's holding a book with the word vegetable on it, and she's crying, so I don't know what's going on. Oh, but it's probably wow. not very good,
2: because yeah. um, you like
1: when you're a kid, like if your pa- you know if your parents are crying, the whole world is. Ending oh yeah. It. Even yeah. now, if my mum or my dad are crying, I'm like, "That's it, we're all dying, like the world's over," because <laughs> that's the way, like as a kid, that's the way your brain works. Like you, you know, your yeah. parents are the strong ones. Your parents are the ones that are meant. Yeah, weak. exactly. Exactly. And if they're crying yeah. over something to do with you, Bell. you're the one that's making the world end. Mm. So, so
2: you thought it was your fault?
1: I thought it was my fault. Wow. I didn't know what was going on. We just sat in the car, and Mum sat in the car park for a really long time. And she didn't <laughs> speak to me, and I didn't speak to her. I just sat there going, "Oh, that's it. We're all going to die." Um, <laughs> and she, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she was just holding this big book, and she was crying like silent, like silent crying. And I was like, "Well, that's even worse than like you know big." Wait, black wait, wait, crying. Like, <laughs> can, can
2: we swing over to Sarah? What what was going on for you at that moment?
1: So. Yeah. Uh,
3: unfortunately and regretfully, Eric, her re- <laughs> recollection is quite correct. <laughs> I think um, you know we'd had we'd had such a, a hellish few months, really, and um, we had on um, on the advice of the school gone to a particular very well known, you know, exceptional psychologist who mm-hmm. specialises in developmental disorders and autism and things like that. And our initial appointment was quite a long one because she was aware that we were going through some pretty major things and that you know our little girl was in a very bad way, and so you know, the initial appointment, it's, for anyone who has had an autism diagnosis knows that it's a long lengthy, you know, usually months of testing. So that was just our first initial appointment, which was mainly really about getting the full developmental history. And, and you know, as I say now, ticking off all those boxes and, mm-hmm. you know, looking back over the history and then and just doing some brief testing with Chloe. And I mean, she looked at me at the end and she said to me, I I already know what diagnosis is, but obviously we need to do a formal assessment and I said, oh okay, what you know what's her diagnosis And she turned around and back then she said, you know asperger's and I said uh, asparagus like what 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 is this and um she explained to me you know briefly what it was and I just sort of I was dumbfounded I said I I've, I've never even heard of it I think that was the first time I'd actually ever heard that word and she oh, said look okay. I'll give you this I'll give you this book it's you know it was like the bible of asparagus kind of book it was yeah. like the a to z of everything and and she said you know take this home I'll see you next week and we'll start the formal assessment but I can already tell you now that I know that that's what you know what it's going to be I have no doubt at all and um So, you know, of course, I'm, you know, a mum who's just been told that my child has got, you know, this thing that I've never heard of, so I wasn't sure was it something to be fearful of, what what was life going to look like for her if I... You know, have I just received a diagnosis that means that my child is never going to become the child that I thought that she was going to be? And, of course, all of these things are going on, you know, in my mind. And I'm sitting Mm -hmm. there with a child beside me who was already in a really bad mental state. And me sitting there, you know, having a total panic attack because my kid's just been potentially diagnosed with something that I've never heard of. So it was, um, yeah, it probably wasn't my finest (laughs) parenting moment. Of But very understandable.
2: I mean, any parent in your situation can identify with what you're going through.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think it was the fear of the unknown at that Mm -hmm. stage. I, I, you know, and thankfully I've been able to uh, turn that around and use it now for me. You know, professionally, to look back and go, if I could tell myself and Chloe something in that moment, it would be that nothing had actually changed. Mm -hmm. We, you know, she was still the same Chloe, and we were just getting a name for what she'd always been. And Mm. you know, that night I uh, we drove home. We were an hour from home because we had to drive to Warrnambool, which was an hour away from our home to start there assessment process and I think we drove home sort of in silence with Chloe miserable and me miserable and wondering you know what on earth but I went to bed that night and I can remember I laid awake for hours and hours and I literally read cover to cover of this book and I remember just thinking oh my gosh how did I not know about this and of course then I'm googling everything in it and I'm just thinking wow like (laughs) I I knew 100% that day that that is exactly
2: what she had Our guest today is once again, Chloe Hayden, who has Asperger's syndrome and is an advocate for young people diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD. Also joining us via the telephone from her office in Geelong is Chloe's mother, Sarah, who is a social worker specializing in autism. We're going to hear more of Chloe's story and find out how she's now helping others with ASD when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's
2: realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest today is once again Chloe Hayden, who's been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Also joining us via the telephone from her office in Geelong is Chloe's mother, Sarah, who is a social worker specializing in autism. Before the break, we heard how Chloe was finally diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Now we're going to find out the impact that had on her life.
1: After we got that diagnosis, it was like, it was like relief. And it was like, oh, now we understand and now it all makes sense. And, you know, you do these things because of this. This doesn't You know, this isn't going to make you a different person. You've always been this person, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think after getting that diagnosis, it was more like we understood better and we understood me better, and that was able to help mum help me better and understand how I saw the world, which kind of helped everyone, I guess.
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering for you, like, oh, okay. Of course I'm different because I am different. Mm-hmm. So, and did it just bring you a lot of yeah, relief well, it was like, to know that? It was,
1: I mean, it's a label, but I yeah. like labeling things. I'm autistic. We like putting labels on things. <laughs> but, so it's like, I know I'm not a different person than I was before this, but mm-hmm. now I know why I'm different. Yeah. So
2: And it's understandable. And
1: it's un- yeah. And it's like, well, now that I know I'm different, it's not so scary because I know that my difference is not so different that it actually has a name to it. So I know that mm-hmm. there's more people out there mm-hmm. who yep. feel like they came from an alien planet too which kind of makes you feel like you're not different because there's a whole group of other people that understand you.
2: I love your alien analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you're into analogies and metaphors, but... (laughs) (laughs) I know,
1: right? I hate metaphors, but I use them all the
3: time.
2: So, Sarah, what happened next for you?
3: Um, So I guess, Eric, in a nutshell, we had our subsequent um, appointments, and yes, Chloe did get diagnosed very quickly with autism, with Asperger's. Um, Her mental health was still... You know, really bad. She was um, still struggling with eating. She was depressed. She was anxious. She was unwilling to leave the home. Um, she was very attached to me more so than she was as a toddler, would not go anywhere without me. And we were sitting in the psych appointment one day, and, you know, I was, I was relaying all of this to the psychologist, and she just looked at me and she said, Well, you need to pull her out of school. And I said, I'm not a homeschooling mum. I can't pull her out of school. And she said, Well, you've got two choices. She said, I, I think you either pull her out of school right now or potentially you're going to lose her. And for me, that was just this big wake-up call of, okay, my life is not exactly as I imagined it was going to be, but this is what I have to do. And right now, the only thing that matters in the world is is keeping my daughter alive and her mental health. And if that means pulling her out of school, then that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I went home and told my husband and he said, right, I'll go and pick up her stuff. And he drove the hour to her school that she was currently at, walked in, told them that she wouldn't be back and said, can I collect her stuff? So we didn't even Chloe didn't even go back to the school, and you know, I said to Mm. her, Do you want to go back and say goodbye to your friends? And she said, Mum, I don't have any friends, (laughs) I've got nothing to say goodbye Mm. to. Wow, and that was it.
2: So, that was the end of that chapter.
3: Honestly, I can say that that's the day that Chloe's life started.
1: Yeah, that wasn't even the end of a chapter, that was the start of a new book.
3: It was quite amazing. The minute we pulled her out of that school and that negative environment, and that bullying, and that you know, that environment that she just was dying in, she literally just flourished overnight. She Mm. woke up the next day and she was full of happiness and energy and vitality it was like this dark cloud had just been lifted you know and very quickly we enrolled her into distance education and um you know we had people all around us saying where's she going to get her social skills from and all of a sudden she was she had the energy and the desire to be reconnecting with youth group and and pony club and and drama club and all of these other things that she'd always wanted to do but was just so miserable and exhausted from her days battling school
2: um, wow.
3: and you know it, it was like she literally just flourished overnight
2: so that was the turning point, that taking was the it turning out of school point. and then flourishing, getting to be yourself from sure. that point forward. Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time. But, Chloe, can you take us to that new beginning for you, to the point where you are today, where you are not only flourishing, but you're helping other people <laughs> as well?
1: Yeah. Um, so after I go play out of school… I guess when you're in an environment that's so negative for so long, mm. you start to forget who you actually are. Mm. And when I got pulled out of school and when I started to see what I could become, I started to find out who I actually was again. For a, because for a long time I, I didn't have my own person. I was trying to be other people because the person I was, I didn't want to be. Um, so I started um, doing acting classes and singing classes and surfing and horse riding oh, and wow. I started yeah, like I enjoying started life. I was enjoying life for the mm. first time like ever probably. Mm. And for a long time, I was happy with just where I was. And then I still had these moments of, like, I'm different and, like, what's the point and stuff. And, like, it was a lot less, mm-hmm. but it was still there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was 18. So was it wasn't
2: like you just snapped your fingers and everything was fine. Oh, no, no, it was no, no. no. A that, that, that's the thing. It's yeah. like
1: life isn't a linear line. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be ups and downs, mm-hmm. and that's what makes life so beautiful. And I've always said that. And, like, I still have really low days and I still have really high days. And there's days that are in between that's, you know, some moments are bad, some moments are good. That's what life is. But when I was 18, I had just finished school and I was like, all right, now what? Because I was like, well, you know, everything's changing. I'm not in school anymore. I have to do something. And I started to see that, you know, I was different, but I knew that there were other people out there that were different too. And I knew that I wasn't the only one. So I saw no one was being a voice for those people. No one was out there. No one was talking to kids like me saying, hey, this is who you are and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And I realized that no one else was doing it. So maybe it was my job to do it. And I wrote...
2: Wow, that's quite a difference from... From Not like, even oh, knowing I'm, why am I here? Totally. To, to I'm going to be well, well, someone who's going to really help. Well, other the thing people. is, I
1: didn't have anyone growing up. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. I obviously have my parents and stuff, but like they're like yeah. mentally programmed to love you. So, like, you know <laughs> <laughs> they
2: had no choice. They got a <laughs> exactly. <lot.
1: laughs> but like, I didn't. There was no one out there who was like, "Hey, this is who you are. This is what your diagnosis I'm in your corner. means, and that's okay." Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, "Well, I don't want other kids to be going through what I went through because I was so blessed to have a family that loved me." So mm. I had that support group. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that, and mm. a lot of people could have severely hurt themselves or ended everything mm-hmm. just because they didn't have someone who understands. And that's like yeah. a big thing. And I'm like, well, I have the opportunity to make a difference, so I'm going to. And it started off with me writing a blog post. And the first blog post I ever wrote was when Robin Williams died because he was my favorite person in the world. I related to him so much. And my, I just posted it on my, just my personal Facebook page. And one of my psychologist friends saw it and was like, do you mind if I post this on my website? And I was like, oh, yeah, if you want, whatever. And that went viral. And she's like, can wow. you make more but talking about your own life? And I was like, oh, if you want. So I wrote a few for her and then people started to really like them. They liked seeing the inside personal details of someone's life that's not, you know, glorified and it's not like here's all the pretty, you know, nice moments. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what life is like.
2: So the good, like, the bad, the ugly. Yeah,
1: and saying. here's what autism is like and here's mm-hmm. how someone who sees the world differently is like. So I did that, and then I started doing it on my own post, and that's when I created this persona of Princess Aspian and writing my own blog posts and stuff, and I started getting a following, and a mum messaged me saying, hey, I really like the first blog post you made. I made a blog post called This Is Me, and it was basically about Asperger's and about myself and about my journey growing up, and she's like, my son needs to see this, but he doesn't read. Could you put this in a video form? And I was mm. like, yeah, I can do that. So I filmed it. I just filmed me- myself saying the scripts that I had written, and I put it on a private link for her and I sent it through to her and she said, could you put this public so I can share it to my friends? And I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then soon enough, this video had 20,000 views too. And I was wow. like, oh, that's okay. Maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah. So I did that one and then I just made more and I realized that the more people, the more that... I let myself out, the more people started to show themselves as well. And I was Mm. like, Hey, I'm not that different. There's a lot of us out there that are like this. Mm. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. And like, now this is what I do every day of my life and showing people that, you know, different doesn't mean less. And yes, I'm different. And yes, the world is a scary place sometimes. And yes, there's a lot of things I don't understand. And yes, some mornings I still wake up going, I feel like an alien and I don't know what I'm doing here, but that's okay because Mm. we're all in this together and we're all on this journey. And at the end of the day, Every single one of us are different.
2: Yeah. And that is your phrase, your catchphrase.
1: Different, not less.
2: Different, not Mm -hmm. less. Yeah.
1: And I use that on an autism basis, but Mm -hmm. I also use it as an overall basis. Um, on the grand scheme of things we are all different like some people struggle with reading and writing or Mm -hmm. struggle with math or some people don't have mums or dads or some people hate their jobs or some people have another disability some people are autistic we're all different and that's what makes the world so beautiful Mm -hmm. if we're all the same the world would be boring and bland and colorless Mm -hmm. and anyone who's seen me can probably tell i really don't like the idea of a colorless world it
2: just doesn't (laughs) sound right like the well you're sitting in front of me here you have (laughs) Flowers, red and yellow flowers in your hair, a multicolored skirt,
1: uh, (laughs) sparkles, sparkles a lot.
2: (laughs) uh, Things that were jingling and jangling, that were making noises, that we had you not wear because that might interrupt the interview. So you, you like color and you like I
1: like well. The thing is, colorful. Yeah, I I used to say like you know the world can't thrive without different, but Hmm. really the world can't work without different. Hmm. If we were all the same, if we all had the same jobs and the same interests and the same hobbies, it wouldn't work. We Hmm. need different for the world to work, and we need different for the world, to, for us to have a future.
2: And Chloe, tell us about your faith life going through all this.
1: So I had been Christian, obviously, throughout my entire teenage life, but Mm -hmm. it always kind of just been there. It hadn't necessarily been like a strong part of my life. Like I'd go to church every Sunday and we'd go to the conferences and it would be fun and great and I would, you know, feel God. But when I was finishing year 12, I was starting to really question myself and my faith and what was going on because everything was changing. And then dad suggested going to Bible college and I was like, I've never thought about doing that before. I just said, I didn't want to go back to school. I was like, I finished 12. That's it. Never go into a classroom again. But dad suggested, and he's like, just think about it. And I was going to sleep one night and I just heard the most prominent voice saying, give me the first year of your life and I'll bless the rest of yours. Hmm. And, uh, I was like, well, okay, and this was like this was a big thing for me because I hadn't been inside of a school building for like four or five years, yeah, like right. a long time, mm-hmm. and I was terrified of people my own age. And like uni is a whole kettle of fish, just different kettle of fish to school. And I did it, and I went, and it, like it was, it's been so true ever since. So yeah, like I God said, give me the first year of your life, and I'll bless the rest of yours, and it like, came true. So, yeah.
2: so it was a good experience for you
1: some of it <laughs> I mean it was school it was I liked I liked the lessons and I liked the teaching and like I learned how to like do sermons and like talk on stage and I got to like be part of the praise and uh, worship ministry and everything and it was that. Like, that was all brilliant but at the end of the day it was still school mm, and school yeah. is still hard but the experience itself was brilliant and I do not regret it for a second like everything has been so true that you know he said so
3: and he has blessed her abundantly over and over since then so it's mm-hmm. absolutely come to pass absolutely
1: yeah.
2: So the experience going to Bible school helped you grow it spiritually?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said beforehand, I was just kind of like dad would call it like a fair weather Christian. Like I believed in God, but like it was kind of like, oh like he's just like he's mm-hmm. taking a back seat. Going to Bible college and kind of being almost like forced to put him at the forefront all mm-hmm. the time. Yep. Once I was forced to do it, it was easier to do it. that sounds like a bad way of saying it. But like once it was like there and once it was prominent and once I was thinking about it and listening about it and learning about it and mm-hmm. reading the Bible every single day. I was like, oh, this it all kind of makes a lot more sense now. And I, you know, I should really start trusting this guy more because he seems like he knows what he's doing a lot more than I do. The big
2: guy. The big guy. You're talking, the big guy, you're the talking big guy. about God, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> no,
1: not the teachers, the big guy. Um, and I was like, well, he kind of, you know, he seems like he knows what he's doing. So I was like, well, I'm going to put my trust in him more. And like once I did and once I did put my trust in him, like the journey since then has mm. been something that I never believed I would have had the opportunity to have any of this. So, yeah, put your faith in God because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but Sarah, we'll have you give the last word.
1: You know, there's a couple
3: of Bible verses that I've really hung on to. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 139, I think I mentioned earlier, for you created my innermost being and knit me together in my mother's womb. I knew that, you know, Chloe, just like myself, just like you, just like everybody, no matter what, the diagnosis is that none of us are an accident. We are all created in his image, mm-hmm. and we are exactly the people that we're meant to be. And, you know, I think a quote that I'd love to finish on is one of my favourites from Einstein. And he says that everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Mm. And, you know, I just love that because I think, you know, we all have our own strengths, as Chloe said. We all have our own strengths. We all have our own weaknesses. And we shouldn't be comparing our own to the person next to us. If we can focus on what we're good at, then, you know, we'll thrive exactly how we were meant to.
2: Chloe and Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having us.
2: Our guests today have been Chloe Hayden and also her mother, Sarah. Sarah joined us via the telephone from her office in Geelong, where she is a social worker specializing in autism. Chloe, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, is a guest speaker at many schools and events across Australia as an advocate for young people diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. To find out more, you can go to her website, which is named after her kind of character that she plays, her persona called Princess Aspian. Just go to her website, princessaspian.com. That's princessaspian.com.